Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Just out of high school at the age of 18, Miles Lugosi enlisted in the Marine Corps. He was deployed to Afghanistan where he served as combat camera, his unit's official videographer, tasked with shooting and editing footage for the Corps' recruiting purposes and historical initiatives. But upon discharge, Lugosi took all the footage he and his fellow cameramen shot, and he assembled, quite simply, the very documentary the Corps did not want you to see. Combat Obscura is a groundbreaking look at the daily life of Marines in a war zone as told by the soldiers themselves. And that is uh, what the story behind this terrific new documentary um, out on oscilloscope and available on various platforms. The, the film is called Combat Obscura, and we're joined today by the director of that film, Miles Lugosi. Miles, welcome to Film School. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, you're very welcome. Tell me a little bit about your background growing up where you grew up and you enlisted in in the marine corps what was sort of what went into that decision well i mean i i was uh was a pretty crazy kid you know in high school i uh i went to high school in new york city um you know it was 10 oh yeah 11 years ago or longer than that now so it's a very different uh time you know we didn't have <clears throat> we didn't have iPhones and stuff. We had flip phones, but like it was much more. Uh, I think it was a different time to grow up in terms of just like the the uh, amount of stupid stuff we would do and just kind of <laughs> reckless behavior. So yeah, I think um, I was trying to kind of find out who I was, and I wanted to see what I was made of, and. It wasn't like, for a lot of kids, I don't think it's like a patriotic or ideological thing even, really, like, you could say 9-11 had an impact, but in 2008, when I enlisted, you know, we'd been at war for for quite some time, so it wasn't, uh, there weren't any, like, misconceptions about what exactly we were doing there, you know, it wasn't mm-hmm. like Americans had this impression that, yeah, Afghanistan's going really well, and right. Iraq was falling apart, you know, so it wasn't, it's not super ideological. I think it's a lot of kids on the fringe, you know, just kind of trying to, like, figure out their identity. They don't want to go to college, or maybe they didn't get into college, you know, they can't afford college. Back in 2008, it was, uh, that was Obama's troop surge, so all the generals had convinced him that if we just increased the amount of troops in Afghanistan, we could turn it around and you know, we could, quote-unquote, win, I guess, yeah. whatever that meant exactly. Um, and so you were getting a lot of kids had criminal records. They had uh, psychological waivers, drug waivers, you know, stuff like that, mm-hmm. because they were just, t- they, needed, they needed bodies out there. So, yeah, I kind of enlisted in that environment. I, I, I wanted to, I know I wanted to cover the war, you know, as a, as a, as a cameraman, but I didn't want to have to go through, like, journalism school and stuff and so i saw full metal jacket a bunch and i was like oh you can just join the marine corps and they'll give you a camera and you can go film stuff um for the military i'm okay i'm curious uh, 
was there something about the Marine Corps that that appealed to you as opposed to enlisting in one of the other armed services? Did you know well, that that did, yeah. did, you, did you know that put you on a kind of a direct path to Afghanistan? Yeah, that's kind of what my thought process was. You know, the Marines were the you know, the toughest and they were the first to first to fight is their motto or whatever. Yeah. Well, how old were you when you enlisted? Oh, I was 18. 18. And then going through basic training, boot camp and all. How long was it from the time you enlisted in the, to the Marine Corps before you were physically on the ground in Afghanistan? It was a long time. Uh, so I got in 2008, 2009. I was sent. I was stationed in Okinawa, Japan, mm. for a couple of years. I was covering like you know ceremonies, training exercises with foreign militaries and stuff, and you know just mm. general stuff for the military. And then in 2011, I got deployed to Afghanistan. Mm. Basically, we were tasked with, there's this thing, there's a dam in Kajaki called the Kajaki Dam, and it supplies the whole Helmand River with uh, power. And we were basically sent to go clear a route to the dam <clears throat> to, to get this turbine. They were missing a third turbine. And this thing had been broken for decades, you know. Mm -hmm. um, the Russians bombed it in the 80s, and then we bombed it right after 9-11, and then it was our job to fix it. Like 2011. Yeah, I know a little bit about Afghanistan, and it's a shame. And I, I, I think it is a national shame that we Americans don't know, even after now, going on 16, 17 years in this war, that we know so little about the country of Afghanistan. But mm -hmm. I happen to know that Helmand is a pretty strategically important part of Afghanistan, and I assume mm -hmm. that this dam was very strategic in terms of not only controlling the flow of water through that region, but also in providing power. And from what you're describing, it sounds like the people of that region had been either with little to no power or or were constantly having to deal with power outages or whatever it was. So this was sounds yeah. like it was an important, at least strategically speaking, this was an important uh, objective, right? Yeah, I mean, the whole history of, of these dams are pretty interesting. We started build. It's the, we started this whole dam project in the '50s to kind of get an upper hand in the during the the Cold War. It inadvertently uh, started the opium, the the poppy production in Afghanistan and in, in the Helmand re in the Helmand province, uh, which created you know the cash crop for for heroin and, and opium. So, yeah. um, it 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 was. Yeah, it, we were trying to get to get power in these regions, but it had a kind of it kind of backfired as well. Yeah, it does sound like it, and that isn't that has been a, a kind of embedded in the history of Afghanistan in the sense that uh, that is one of the cash crops. It's one of the I don't know how much of the economy uh, illegal illicit um, the heroin trade is. But nonetheless, it factors into the politics. I know that the brother of uh, the um, the president was involved in heroin trade uh, at the time. Mm -hmm. Karzai, I believe, yeah. was his name. Uh, and it has, and it has, and the Taliban, who were apparently opposed to it, were the, were did a lot to try and shut down the trade. But since then, have yeah. kind of come around. 
to the fact that this is an important part of the the economy of Afghanistan. Well, so. yeah, the heroin production before we invaded was at an all-time low. Right. And now that we've now that we once we invaded, the Taliban had to resort to to getting money through the through the heroin. Yeah. And now it's, you know, back worse than it ever was. Yeah, it's now as I understand uh Af- Afghanistan is now I think the world's leading exporter of heroin or or pop. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, which a- does actually come back to affect <laughs> Americans in some uh you know, tangible yeah. way now I guess that we have the opioid epidemic and everything. Right. That is a whole nother discussion and a whole nother documentary but yes, I, it but yeah. it, it because uh there is sort of a history of US foreign policy shadowing drug trades around the world, going back to Vietnam, Laos, Cambodia, Thailand, and then also in Colombia, our involvement in the regions of the world that seem to have a, a, a stupendous amount of drug production seems uh, oddly, uh, weirdly um, coincidental. So um, let's leave that. Let's leave that discussion us for the aside, uh, because that is. But so I'm, I'm kind of curious. So you land in Afghanistan in 2011, I believe you said. Uh, this is a point in the in and we're we're that's still we are still like eight years later than that and we're still in this war which uh. anyway um, what was it what was it when you hit the ground and, and you ended up where you you were deployed what was the what were your first impressions I mean you're in combat now this is different than Okinawa which is a, a peace peacetime deployment but what now you're in combat what, what and you've got a camera and you have assignments I, I but what were your sort of, this is the first rush of what, where am I and what am I doing now for you? Yeah. I mean, like, it's weird because you have all these preconceived notions uh, from movies and stuff, but also from what other Marines are telling you that have been there. And, but it's still nothing like when you actually get there, you know, you you can't, you try so hard to imagine, but, um, still not quite uh, the way you expect. Um, my first impression was like, this place is, it, it was, it's incredibly beautiful, like, um, just geographically, I mean, just the terrain, um, the people, the, the mountains, like, we were in a very, uh, we were in like a valley with, with cliff walls on, on both sides, and, and a, you know, there was a lot of, uh, farm areas next to the river, next to the Helmand River. And so it was just really, it, did, it didn't look like any place that I had seen, like, anywhere, you know, uh, either in, in, in pictures or just physically that I would seen. So, like, that was just kind of the first thing that struck me. And then it just kind of comes, it becomes about just waiting to get shot at. Like, when's the first time, when's it going to happen, you know, like, it's sort of it's looked at as popping a cherry, you know. Just it's yeah. it's kind of a sexual thing, like um, in that sense, like having this rite of passage or having this yeah. this point that you need to hit um, in order to become, you know, a marine, right. basically. Right. You know. How long after you hit the and, ground did that happen? Well, like you hit the ground, you 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 land in a, in a forward operating base where there's like KFCs. <laughs> And Pizza Hut, and it's like a little American town in the middle of the desert. And then from there, you leave the the forward operating base, and you actually start the operation, and you go out, and you're just living in the people's houses. So that's when we started getting shot at, when we actually started 
when we left the the fob. But yeah, what's that like? I'm just what is that visceral feeling that you have? Like this this is somebody shooting. Well, maybe not. They may not even be shooting at you, but they certainly are shooting with the purpose right. to kill you. So, what is that? What is that sense that comes comes to you when it's so it's so bizarre? It's just it's so it's like a million different things at once. It's kind of like detached but extremely personal. It's funny. It's sort of like oddly funny and extremely terrifying. It's like all these things at once. Yeah, I think this is kind of like what we tried to capture with the film. Yeah. Was just like the the giddiness that you feel at the same time of this just extreme uh utter horror, you know. Yeah. Um that sort of like colliding a kaleidoscope of of just emotions and and just adrenaline and everything to in no way am I trying to you know glorify it or say that it's a good thing or a good time but it, it's um it's certainly a wave of, of many different things at once i just want to remind our listeners we're speaking with miles lagozzi and he's the director of a new documentary coming out um, now on different various platforms uh, it's called combat obscura so so you're on the ground and and now you're starting to get you, are you coming up with assignments or are you getting sort of instructions on how you're going to go about what what sort of things you're trying to highlight within the unit or are there things that are just obvious and apparent to you that you need to capture in your mission yeah. to make the Marine Corps look good in 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 combat. Yeah, and I mean that mostly just amounts to not showing certain things, right? I mean, it's sort of like when we were there in 2011 it was supposed to be you know, that we were transitioning out of Afghanistan and we were handing it over to the Afghan army and we were, uh, they were going to take care of the country themselves and we could leave. And that was kind of the message. So it was, they were telling us to capture that kind of stuff, a lot of hearts and minds, you know, giving candy to kids and uh, shaking hands with locals, smiling and, and uh, yeah, and just working with the Afghan army. Um, and, uh, it was, like I said, if something kicked off, you know, the people, they started shooting at us and I was filming it, I would have to, you know, kind of, I would have to bleep out curse words. I couldn't show them smoking cigarettes or like a big one was like, if they weren't in their full gear, then I couldn't, I couldn't use it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was this bizarre, like, you know. PR sort of role that I had, uh, sanitizing the whole war and everything. And, um, yeah, but at the same time, we were just shooting everything else. Like, we wanted me and another camera guy that I was deployed with, Justin Loya, we, we were just like, yeah, I mean, we're, we ha- we're out here. We have these cameras. We might as well just film everything. And, I mean, everyone else has cameras, too, like the the... The infantry guys all have their own GoPros and everything, mm-hmm. and which we use a lot of in the in the film. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it was sort of like um, it's sort of like a performance enhancer. And by performance, I mean like perform like a almost an act. You know, if there's a camera, right? The guys all want to see themselves on you know getting into firefights and stuff, and um, sort of sort of reinforcing that identity. Of a, of a marine at war, right? Um, it it sounds like I, I 
in my own background, I, I did corporate video for a little while. And it sounds very much like a corporate video. There are things you can't show. There, there, there are sort of things that you definitely. Yeah. And 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 you're 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 yeah, exactly in the film. You're, and not in your film, but in the Marine Corps recruitment films or the 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 PR stuff, it's very sanitized. Um, and I would imagine that there is probably a desire to show you interacting with the with the locals in a very favorable way, right? I assume that would be another part of the directive coming in for what you're doing. Right. Yeah, I mean, it was sort of, I mean, it was an unspoken thing, uh, you know, just, you knew what to show and what not to show. Yeah. And um, it was weird. It was like having a split personality, sort of, with the camera. I mean, on the one hand, I'd, I'd film an interview, you know, they'd say, they'd, okay, well, yeah, we're, all the locals want us here, and, you know, everything's going great, blah, blah, blah. And then I'd say, okay, now tell me what you really think. <laughs> You know, and then they'd go, they'd just be like, you know, go into how they were really feeling about it. So it was, yeah, it was kind of a weird, like I said, split personality. I'm sure that not everyone in Afghanistan feels exactly the same way about the U.S. military being there still. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm sure there is a a range of of uh, impressions or, or opinions about that. But at the same time, I'm sure there's a, probably a consistency of, and maybe not, correct me if I'm wrong, of why are you still here? Is that, is that fair or is that something that you, in, in your encounters, are people happy that you're providing some level of security from some very bad people? Or do they feel like even, even though you are doing that, it's time for the people of Afghanistan to take care of these things? Or how, what was Yeah, I mean, it's like, you, it's definitely mixed, like you said. And it's super complicated. Yeah, uh, it's not really one or the other because they're they're just stuck in the middle for the most part because they have two oppressive regimes kind of waiting to force it on them at the same time. Right, which, right. you know the Taliban, yeah. and then they have us, and they can't. If they go to the Taliban, we'll kill them, and if they go to us, and the Taliban kills them, so yeah, yeah. they don't really. They're just trying to like stay out of harm's way. And also, Miles, we're now looking at a couple of, or maybe more, three or four generations of people who have either lived under Soviet Union, Russian, um, (laughs) terrible, horrible circumstances, and then for a brief period it didn't, and then the U.S. moved in in 2002, and so it's now been, well, 17 years. So for at least 35 to 40 years they have been, and yeah, I mean, there's a couple of generations there that have lived in, in chaos. And it's almost, I mean, it's kind of almost normalized for them, I think, at this point. Well, I would know. think that you have to normalize it on some level, yeah. right? I mean, it would be impossible yeah. to run around every day, all day long, screaming at the top of <laughs> your lungs. I mean, it just, you, in some ways, I'm sure they have figured out. Well, it's what, also not, it's not that chaos. Like, it's it's not mm-hmm. like, you know, just they're constant, right. getting, constantly getting bombed or constantly getting shot at. It's, 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 there's a lot of just relative peace of right. just, you know. We're walking around and, you know, we're walking through their fields and right. nothing's really happening or we're smoking hash with them and, you know, yeah. shooting the shit. Yeah. Um, but there is this uncertainty. Try. There's uncertainty about the, their future, certainly. That, that's that got to play into how, I mean, they that, that at level of uncertainty. You're right. I'm sure that generally speaking in, in a war is a lot of, and I, I'm, I'm not an expert, but I'm sure there's a lot more downtime than there is what you're talking mm-hmm. about engaging the enemy. So... 
So on that level, I would assume that this, this uncertainty for these people and what they're going to do and how they're going to move forward, are they going to be able to grow crops or, you know, whatever it is that they, they want to do. So I, it's, you're, yeah, what you said, I agree with everything you said. It's kind of a normalized situation in a lot of ways. But it's, it's hard to fathom here in the United States living like that, isn't it? I mean, is, I guess, I don't know. I, I mean, the whole thing is so complex. Yeah, and it's like, it's also a lot of them, I mean, if you look at the what's happened after we left, uh, now that we're kind of, we've, we've stopped actively patrolling with the, uh, with the Afghan army, mm-hmm. I mean, they've lost more guys than, and I think in the past two years, than we did the entire 18 years that we've been there. Um, they they are getting absolutely uh, just massacred by the Taliban, and it's because they don't they don't have they don't have our air support they don't have our our assets and they don't have our weapons and stuff and so there's a lot of Afghan soldiers that have lost their whole families to this to this, to this fight and they are not they're not going to be happy that we're leaving yeah so it's not as simple as just saying like this needs you know just end it now yeah. that that's going to make a lot of much more complicated you know it's kind of why we we didn't want to voice a, a narrative or some kind of like takeaway message is going to make you feel like you have the answers do you know what i mean yeah because there isn't really i don't think there is an answer right well let, let's talk i mean about the actual film <laughs> i've spent enough time actually talking about the film that the, as you say in the in the it said in the in the press kit the film footage that the marine corps would rather you not see and and that's really what Combat Obscura is mostly about. And although the, it's not it's not as if this is a film that is putting the the soldiers in a negative light, it's putting them in the life that they actually lived. Right. And so yeah. and so you see the camaraderie. You see the you see men who are young men doing what young men like to do which when all that entails but also this bond and I, I I'm sure you've probably been asked this question before but what is that bond like when you're in a forward position like this where you're in in you were in harm's way on a continual basis um, and you showed this very um, very effectively so what is that is how does that how did that impact what you were doing as a filmmaker yeah well I mean it's I mean, it's it's glory. The whole camaraderie aspect, I think, is is uh, reified or glorified to a certain degree. Like um, there were a lot of times where, you know, guys would fight each other because they were just sick of being around one another. You know, um, but you know, there was always a sense that it's weird because you feel it's. I don't want to say it, like simulates some kind of like tribal uh, environment, but there is a sense of just like. I never like you sleep really well because you're sleeping right next to another another guy. You know, like you feel um, you feel like you have kind of uh, a purpose, sort of, mm-hmm. or you're you're there's a there's a natural um, calmness to it. I think mm-hmm. that you don't really get in any other aspect of society, especially if, like in the digital world we live in. You know, where it's just like people are constantly communicating through synthetic or artificial means, you know, through social media and whatnot. Less people are having sex now. If you look it up, it's like crazy. I mean, yeah. and then being in that environment where you're just constantly around one another and you 
and it's all physical. It's all face to face. It's all all day, every day. Yeah, it's certainly uh, it has its its uh, benefits, I guess. Filming it, uh, yeah, it's I wanted to capture that aspect of it for sure. Yeah, just young men being in in a hyper masculine uh, and you know environment and culture and with their weapons and just kind of like the general uh, giddiness of it and, and just mm. kind of like I said humor right. chaos right. everything confusion right well the f- the film covers what I assume to be the spectrum of things that you were dealing with in terms of not not just the combat situations which are pretty hairy and you're there's a part of a, some someone watching and there's you're kind of expecting waiting for this kind of you know, crazy, insane, chaotic situation, firefights, people being wounded, not knowing where somebody is in a combat situation, all of the kind of the things that you would assume, you know, academically or theoretically to be true. And in this film, they're real. And so there's this kind of immediacy to watching the film and and this mm-hmm. visceral sense of just how <clears throat> how really this can sort of control chaos so that a combat situation is. But there are also these parts of the film where you're, you are interacting with the Afghanis and you're, you show up at a, and I don't know if it was a wedding or some kind of a social gathering where you knew that there were people there that you needed to try and get, find, we thought. detained. Yeah, right, you thought. So there is that, and again, I, I mean, my, my hat's off to you because, you know, I don't know how... It's, it must be very difficult to maintain that sort of discipline when you're walking into a situation with a bunch of Afghan men, who many of whom you think may be Taliban, and there are there are sort of rules of engagement that preclude you from just going in there and doing things that you probably feel like you should be able to do. So there are things about the film that really sort of showcase the whole spectrum of warfare deployment, being around, being in a, in a, in a combat situation where you're literally among the civilians. And that's what this particular kind of warfare that we're now, since World War II, now we're, we're dealing with is they, you're, you're in urban, you know, environments and the, the civilians are mixed in with the combatants that you're trying to, you know, it's so, so you see this in combat obscura, you see all of it. And I, that for, for me is the sort of the takeaway is the visceral sense of what combat is like and what it is to be sort of in close quarters, but also to see this part of your your units being able to switch gears. I don't know what the right words are to use this to describe it, but you're able to put these things in little boxes, which has got to be yeah. on one level really frustrating but on another level well, sort of reassuring as well right go ahead reassuring what how do you mean? well i mean in the sense that you're able to maintain that your 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 discipline you're you're able to put in other words rather than walk into a situation like that and just start shooting people there's a there's a protocol yeah, there's I a mean, protocol involved in that it's kind yeah. of I'm, it, i don't know if i'm describing that very well but yeah, you definitely can't just start shooting. People. No, uh, <laughs> I didn't think you would. Um, yeah, I don't know. You you kind of make a game like you kind of have to make a game out of it, I guess. You know, you and you see like a lot of times the camera would have an effect on that, you know, and just if 
if I was there filming, they'd try to go looking for stuff um, because, and you hear a lot of them saying like, you know, firefights are better than sex and, and all that. Yeah. Um, it's sort of a way to compartmentalize, I think, mm-hmm. the, the, the reality of the situation, which is that you could literally lose your legs <laughs> at any, you know, that your next step could yeah. literally blow off your legs because you don't, they're, they're planting bombs that, and you have a metal detector, but the bombs don't have any metal in them. They're made out of like fertilizer yeah. and plastic. Yeah. And so you're just like, what, why am I sweeping for, for bombs if, you know, you're not, not going to even help. Yeah. And so there's always, you just kind of have to put that in the back of your mind. Wow. It's very easy to, it's surprisingly easy to do when you're, when you're that young, you know, and you're that, you still have that kind of air of invincibility and, and just kind of, um, testosterone and, and, and everything. And you're all feeding off of each other in a way, you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think the camera adds to it as well. I'm just kind of curious. Do you want to continue doing documentaries? Do you have some ideas in mind moving forward beyond Combat Obscura? What, what would you... I want to... I, well, I, what I really want to do is make a like an alternate reality war film, but set in like a cul-de-sac in the Midwest, but like transplant Afghanistan into uh, an American suburb where like the people don't speak English mm-hmm. and you have like these Marines patrolling... <laughs> To this American suburb, it's but they see it as Afghanistan. So I'm working on a script right now, and uh, just I want to make a fictional film about it. Maza, that that makes a lot of sense. In that, it, I mean, in terms of what you're describing, I mean, it's 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 impossible for for Americans to understand what it is that it is like to go through what you did, what so many hundreds of thousands of American soldiers have gone through in terms of. That. Well, it's not. It's not impossible. I mean, it. I don't think you should look at it as as impossible because then it, that just kind of. Okay. It's just an, a conversation stopper. You know, R- okay. Say, oh, well, that's ne- fair. Never, that's fair. I'll never be able to imagine. <laughs> yeah. You know? uh, but it's it's um it's certainly like a it's a different experience. But you if I think if you watch the film you can you can you can get a sense of it just in the way that we hopefully the way that we structured it. You know, and, and that uncertainty, like you said, you know, watching it and not knowing when something is going to happen mm-hmm. um, and just replicating the rhythm and and the the flow of a deployment, you know. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's fair. I think what you said is fair. It, But it, it, I could understand where, as a filmmaker you would like to bring that experience into a yeah, into exactly. a into bring a, it bring it to the back door yeah to, to our a realm front door. yeah I, to where yeah to where people could under yeah, not only better understand it but also make some i would imagine make some and important just stop points. looking and stop looking at these countries as like the war zone like these are these are people's yeah. homes you know these people are growing up and and living their lives here and there just happens to be a, a conflict but it doesn't it doesn't make the whole country a war zone. You know, right. it doesn't make. Don't you shouldn't reify the idea of war to that point where it's just like it becomes symbolic of, of something else. You right. Know, right. Yeah. Well, and and in in the film, I your I was I don't know if it was you or someone else who was talking about what a beautiful place this is. That it comes up a couple of times in the course of the film, and that uh, look at this is just a remarkable 
physically beautiful place and this has a tremendous cultural history going back thousands of years and i mean it's been there's a lot of things in your to your point it is it's true these are these are people these are people who 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 deserve an opportunity to live a life where they can raise their families and um well i want to i want to thank you so much for thank, your, thank you so much oh yeah I would, truly i want to thank you for your time here and as well as for the film the film is called combat obscura and you can find out more about it at combat obscura.com and that will tell you about uh, the the places where it'll be screening and um tell you more about the film it comes out through oscilloscope which is a, obviously a terrific distribution platform and so you can go to combatobscura.com to find out where the film is screening it's opening this week at the glendale lemley theater there on colorado boulevard <clears throat> and you should check it out there it's also coming out across the country and you can go at combatobscura.com you can find out where as well as on itunes and what was the other platform you mentioned miles amazon okay. and google play I think. and google play well, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for the film. Thank you. Yeah, yeah I really appreciate it. Oh, you're very welcome. And uh, I look forward to your future work. And then when that comes out, when it's ready, please come back and join us, Miles. All right. Thank, thank you. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.